beginning at verse 15. Excuse me, page 1241 in this Bible here. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. And then I'll, when we get to uh, verse 18, then we look at the words of our text. This is, translation is just a little bit different than the one I worked with, so we'll have to make a couple of little explanations along the way. Heavenly Father, this is your word. Help us to be faithful to it and proclaiming it and to understand it, that it may give us hope and encouragement as we deal sometimes with our doubts and our confusion. Help us to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For this reason, Paul writes, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the, toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you in remembering you in my prayers that the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And this, and Then we start on 18 where he talks about this spirit of wisdom and revelation in terms of knowing Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer is to having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he has worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. And so at last, that prayer from verse 18 basically is what we want to be looking at. And perhaps we'll use some little different words and it's used in this translation, but trust they all have the same meaning. The people of God, once the uh, land has been prepared and uh, the seed has been planted, then the harvest, uh, the farmer begins to uh, hope for a harvest. The people who bought the seed, who owned the land, rent the land, did the did the planting. Now hope for truckloads and bushels of grain, harvested grain. We might ask ourselves, what is the link between hope and harvest, between planting and, 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 and reaping? Well, for Christians, we say, the link between our hope for a harvest, our hope and a harvest, is, is the blessing of God. Things we pray for. Blessing that takes the shape of abundant rain and sunshine and absence of wind and bugs and hail. The link between hope at planting and the realization of a harvest is, as Christians recognize it to be, the blessing of God. But so it is with so much of life. You know, the link between starting a business and hoping that 
in 10 years down the road we'll still be in business. That link also we recognize as the blessing of God, as well as giving good service and selling uh, good products at competitive prices. The link between a wedding day and a, a 60th anniversary celebration is also God's blessing, the gift of life itself, as well as his power to be faithful to the vows we have made, serving each other in love, caring for each other. What we want to do this morning is to look at the link between hope and inheritance. I think if our minds could always be read, we'd have to admit that sometimes there are some doubts in our minds. Maybe sometimes a bit of uncertainty. The hope we ought to be able to profess with a solid, confident, I know, I believe, we sometimes utter with kind of a timid voice, I hope so. I hear that sometimes even from elderly folks that I visit. You know, on behalf of Bethel Church, uh, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that I will inherit eternal life. I hope I will receive what God promised. Some of these promises that we read about in the Bible seem distant. They they they, they seem sometimes out of touch with our everyday experiences in life. Some of these promises go against what the scientists tell us is possible. We also confess that sometimes we're so tempted to, uh, to join the secular crowd that lives for today and grabs all the dust so they can, has all the parties they can, and uh, enjoys any, all the stuff they can, all the traveling they can do, because maybe, maybe tomorrow won't come. I should try to maybe make my heaven on earth here because the promised one seems so far away. And then there's that grave between now and then. How do we know that the promises of God will come true? How can we be sure of that? It's been such a long time ago that they've been made. So what is it that links hope and inheritance? Is it just my faith or my faithfulness, important as they are? Let's go through this, at least part of this, very rich prayer of Paul for the church at Ephesus and remind ourselves of, about the link between hope and inheritance. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that there may be as if it were a, a burning bulb at the core of your being. And what does he pray that this burning light would be? Hope. Hope. The hope to which Jesus Christ has called us. Hope is something that Paul wishes for the, and prays for the Ephesian Christians, for all believers. It's something that we are to have now. He prays that they may carry within the depths of their being a, a living hope. Hope is a today thing. It's about what we look ahead to. But we carry that hope within us through the passing of time. One generation after another passes away and still hope is not 
fully realized. We carry that hope within us in dark days and sometimes darker nights. Through the valleys of tears and pain and disappointments and frustrations and losses. We cling to that hope in our battle with diseases and cancers. Hope can sometimes get pretty heavy. Pretty heavy. But that hope is also something that, that must not leave us as we accumulate a lot of, uh, much of this world's goods, as we have, when life is good for us, when we have created for ourselves the good life. Hope must survive in good times too, lest it slips away in all the, ch the chasing after the good things of life that we do. So Paul's prayer here is, is a very relevant one. I pray that your hearts may be enlightened to know the hope to which Jesus Christ has called you. Today we hope. Through thick and thin, in joys and in sorrows, we hope. We have today in Christ the hope to which he has called us. What do we hope for? Paul uses the word inheritance. The hope involves an inheritance. An inheritance is a tomorrow thing. Our hope today is to receiving all that we have in Christ Jesus, all that God promised in, in him, all the results of his death and resurrection for us, all his benefits. Paul calls it a glorious inheritance. That's tomorrow. That's, that's future. That's, that's down the road. Well, we have the beginning of this inheritance already in terms of the hope we have and the newness that people express and the faith that we have. The full realization is, is yet to come. And then there's a grave between now and then. So the question is, what links hope and inheritance? Whenever, what guarantees that we will receive then, whenever then is? Well, Paul goes on in his prayer. Not only do I pray that the mind of your heart may be enlightened to know the hope to which you have been called as the result of Jesus' work for us, for you, but also the inheritance that awaits you at the end of your hope. But I also want you to know the incomparably great power at work for those who believe. The link between hope and inheritance is power. God's great power. Not the power of my faith alone, as important as that is. Not the power of my faithfulness, as important as that is, but it's, but it's God's power. Paul describes it as incomparably great might or incomparably great power. Incomparably great power for those who believe. A power for us and not against us. Paul wants us to grasp the intensity of that power. What kind of power is it? He said, you know what kind of power it is that's working on your behalf? It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Power that delivered him from that most bitter and tenacious enemy. And it's like the power that lifted Jesus Christ from the earth and seated him at the right hand of God in the heavenly realms. The resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ are not just events that amaze us. They're not just the crowning event 
of a Lenten season. They are displays, displays of power, God's power, God's power for us. God's power that links hope with inheritance, today with tomorrow. What believers hope for in living faith and in sometimes a little bit weakened faith, mustard seed-like faith, that, that hope is being served. It's being administered. It's being protected by the same kind of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God. So receiving what we hope for is not just protected by our faith. Important as faith is. Not just protected by our faithfulness or our our orthodoxy. It's it's protected by the same power that brought about resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, that happened a long time ago, of course. Jesus' ascension and resurrection, uh, that happened 2,000 years ago. How, how How can that still be the power that links hope and inheritance for us? How can that still be incomparably great power on our behalf? Well, Paul said, you can think about it this way. The power that raised Jesus Christ and lifted him to heaven is the same kind of incomparably power that was transferred to that ascended Christ who was now seated at God's right hand. Jesus Christ now rules. The resurrection and ascension power which he displays at the right hand of God is the same power that God displayed in raising him from the dead and ascending him to heaven. That's the power he rules with. And from that ascension position at the right hand of God, he pours out that powerful spirit to work in the lives of those for whom he gave his life. So we pictured Jesus at God's right hand, ruling this. The same kind of power ruling with that was displayed in his death, his resurrection and ascension. Paul said he now rules. He now rules over every uh, power and authority, every power and dominion, every rule, every title that people give to themselves in this present age and in the age to come. The power that links hope and inheritance is for what we, the inheriting of what we hope for is the power by which Jesus Christ is now Lord of all. And that's what believers call him in faith, Lord of all. Now the things that Paul uses to describe where the, that, those things that Jesus Christ rules over, he uses the language of authority and powers and dominions and titles. Well, we have have different things that we're concerned about, I think, that Paul did. Paul was concerned about the power of the Roman Empire, the power of the worship of emperors, the power of Satan, the power of people who were opposed to the gospel, which is still, still true today. But we also think of other things. We think of extreme religions, extreme Islam, for example, that preaches the part that preaches hatred and terror and wants to rule the world. We think of power of dictators like a Putin who, you know, uses his power and his bullying to attack other nations and gain more territory. We think of movements, lifestyles, some strange ideas, crazy things that 
people deal with. We think about maybe nuclear war, nuclear weapons in, in the hands of uh, tyrants. We think of those kind of things. We think of materialism. Uh, we think of movements and lifestyles that threaten. We think of diseases, pandemics. But Paul says, you know what? Every rule and political power, every fad, every cult, every name people take for themselves, every title they, they take for themselves, every military strategy or monetary policy, every movement, they're all under the power of the ascended Christ. There's no power on earth that can raise the dead or ascend, lift our flesh to heaven. Only God can do that. And he's transferred that power to the Lord Jesus, sitting at his right hand. He's put him in charge. With that kind of power, he keeps the evil one on a leash so that he goes so far and no further. With that great power, he can, he's able to turn astonishing evil into amazing good. With the power of that risen Lord, he, he builds the kingdom of God in places where all the forces of evil seem to be garnered against the coming of that kingdom. Every force we fear now and every force that threatens potential ruin in the future are answerable to the seated Lord because his kingdom has come. So his is the power that lakes hope and inheritance for God's people. But there's one more thing, one more amazing thing that Paul brings to our attention. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power that was exerted in his ascension, the power which has been transferred to him at the right hand of God, that power is now being expended and exercised on behalf of the church. He is head over everything for the church. The power that links our hope now and our inheritance tomorrow that power has been and will be directed for the benefit of the church, the body for whom he gave his life. He has had over everything for the church, for his people, for those chosen and redeemed in him. And why should that great power be exercised and be uh, in the form of headship on behalf of his church? Because, believe it or not, Jesus Christ the seated Lord of all is incomplete without his church. That raises questions in the minds of people when we say that. But he says the church is his fullness. The body for which he died will complete him, will bring to completion the work that he has done. It's kind of like a married man is complete without his wife at his side. But Jesus Christ it's incomplete, in a sense, incomplete without his church. So he's seated at the right hand of God now, with all that power at his disposal, resurrection power, ascension power, the Spirit's power, and he's ruling all, all movements and authorities, rulers and powers, so that someday there can be a wedding, a wedding of Jesus Christ and the church he loved, the church he died for, so that Jesus can be complete with his bride at his side through the eternity that God has planned for us in a new creation. So now you know. 
Now we know. What kind of power is at work for us? Linking hope today and inheritance tomorrow. Keep that in mind. We understand that. We, the Spirit embeds that into our hearts and our lives, whether we're young or whether we're old. I can profess my faith. I can believe in the work of Jesus Christ because there's a power at my side. Resurrection and ascension power used now by that sitting Lord. We can put away our timid announcements. I hope so. We can get rid of hopeless pessimism about the church. We can believe that the power that raised Jesus Christ that ascended him to heaven at the right hand of God, that power he wields on behalf of his blood-bought bride, the church. So in the meantime, we work. We serve. We work to build his church. We work to teach our children. We work to preach the gospel. We work to send missionaries. We work to provide God-centered education. We use our gifts, our talents. We volunteer. We serve. Because we belong to a faithful Savior. Ours is not a hopeless cause. As long as we realize that the link between hope and inheritance is power. The kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. Ascended him to heaven. Where he sat on the throne from which he poured out his powerful spirit. In the lives of those for whom he gave his life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. For this picture, it may be a picture that is always fresh in our minds, in our discouragements and times when life is hard, and times when we battle diseases and frustrations and losses, times when we get old and face the grave. Help us to know we belong. We belong to a faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We are part of his bride. There will be a wedding. A wedding of Christ and his blood-bought bride. We will live with him in the glory of a new creation. Father, thank you for that picture. Refresh it in our minds often. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Three, six, 